0: yoga biz coach. Yep, ladies and gents, that is the sound of my <laughs> aromatherapy diffuser. Uh, welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. It's Amy McDonald here. I got to tell you, I'm a little under the weather today. I don't normally do under the weather. I don't normally go anywhere but in the weather uh, for years. But who knows, maybe my body is rebelling after the first year of in six, being at home for winter. <laughs> what the hell is this? Get us out of here. Miss everybody. Miss you all over there in Warmsville. So, yeah, I, uh, I am doing the feeling a little bit sorry for myself, a little bit of man flu, but I'm going to be fine. And I'm excited about our topic today because I'm going to be talking about <laughs> the post it notes you need right now. Insert reverb. Uh, but before I do that, I want to hear from all of you people. Y- you're going to know who you are. You're going to, you're going to know exactly who you are in just one second. Um, so I had a friend over, doesn't a friend, we have his weekly ritual. He finishes work. He lives like 200 meters from my house It works 200 meters from my house. And after work, once a week he comes over, we have a cup of tea just catch up. And, um, sometimes we would go for a walk. And so today we had a cup of tea and then I said, let's go for a walk. And just before we left the house, I sort of slathered myself with a particular essential oil blend that one wears at this time of year and uh, which I thought you know that's what people do whatever let's go and he looks at me and he says do you believe in all that stuff And I thought well what do you mean this is not like I don't know not I'm not smudging myself against the flu this is a thing right this is a and he said you know you've got a virus right? And then I thought, oh yeah, that's right. I paid like $25,000 to go to university to learn science. (laughs) Maybe these don't work. I don't know, I want to hear. I know there are lots of people out there who are like all about the oils, the healing of the oils. And uh, so if you're a yoga teacher and you are about the healing of the oils, and I'm not going to name drop, but if you're in one of those oil families, tell me really, for real. From science, is my friend right or am I right? <laughs> you know which one I'm kind of hoping for. <laughs> okay, so here we go, everybody. be gone. I'm oiled up the yin-yang. Hi on it. Let's go. The post-it reminders that you need to know right now. Oh, hang on a sec. Can we pause just for one second? Uh, my bad. Um, there's something else that I... Wanted to do before we get started, and it is this. Over the past three weeks, I have had the very good fortune of spending ninety-minute um, intensives with people from all over the world, and I've loved meeting so many of you for the first time. Uh, I really—it's funny, you know—when I when we have these calls and I I, I say to them, "Well, you, let me know how you go. Send me an email. I want to know how does how you go with all of the implementation." And they look at me like I'm kind of crazy or maybe they think I'm going to sell them something else or maybe they feel bad because we've used up the time that they've bought or they give me these looks and I say to them, don't, don't get get this wrong. Like I know who you are now. (laughs) I am going to be stalking you. I am on your team whether you want me there or not. I am your super fan. I'm going no place. So I wanted to do a couple of congratulations. The first one I want to really celebrate myself. Marcel and I had a very quick 20 minute session about her Instagram, uh, I don't know, three, four months ago. And she booked in for a 90 minute intensive. Marcel is a well-being coach and she specializes in uh, hormone balancing, women in perimenopause, menopause, wellness health coach. And um, she, about two weeks ago, we had her intensive, we got clear on what she's offering restructuring the website, clarifying what's for free, what's a small investment, what's a large investment, who she wants to work with, how she needs to slightly tweak the larger coaching packages she was offering, all of those good things. And how she has been, uh, she has a great local network of people that she's part of in her community and they love inviting her to things, but that it was time she identified that in fact, it was time to spread her wings and go talk to different types of women a couple of days ago, I had an email from Marcel, and she said that she has been hired by uh, one of Australia's top four big banks to, over Women's Health Week, go in and deliver both two of her signature health talks. And she said in her email that like, she's going to get to talk to 80 women. <laughs> and get paid for it get paid for the get paid for it to talk about what it is that she does and how she can help people so congratulations marcel i just think that is so great you know the i really think that when you shift up your energy about something and start to believe that hey maybe you can then in fact that's when good stuff um really starts to happen uh and she just went and made that happen for herself so congratulations marcel the other person that i really want to celebrate it's not appropriate right now, as much as I want to, to name names here, but uh this person will know who they are. Um, the reason I'm keeping that on the down though is because we're going to talk about her income and I didn't ask permission in advance to <laughs> disclose that to all of Apple Podcasts, but I do want to celebrate her because this is super exciting. She shared with me this week that uh, when we started working together and she was enrolled in the GYYB program, she made um, that year that she enrolled, she made £17,000. And one year on, she's just done her maths. And for the eighteen nineteen financial year, she did £37,000. So she's up £20,000 for the year. And I feel confident in saying she's having more fun. She's definitely exploring more creative projects. Um, clear about who she is and what she offers and was sharing with me while we were celebrating this 20 grand increase after a year, you know, a year of implementing the coaching and, and doing, you know, obviously doing the, doing the work. um, She was saying that now she just is doing some things for fun. They don't even really make financial sense. And she doesn't care because it's about professional and personal reward because she's got the money piece sorted out. And um, and I just think that's, that's wonderful. So congratulations. Like I said, she knows who she is because they're her numbers. And I thought I'd share them with everybody because I think that uh, um, I want to reiterate the importance of this being a safe space to talk about money. I want to highlight when those of us do do great things like make a truckload more because I know for a fact that this woman is not somehow spiritually bereft. She's no less of a practitioner. If anything, she takes better care of herself now because she can afford to. Um, you know, here's an example of a yogini who's done a truckload of training and really wants to help people in different and innovative ways, and is doing so and generating prosperity in the ways uh, along the way. So, congratulations to that yogini. Okay, now to the <laughs> to the podcast at hand, the Post-it sticky note reminders that you need. Now, all right, so the first one is, uh, comes to us courtesy of two of the people that I have had intensives with uh, over the past three months. I'm learning so much from all of you, so thank you for being great teachers for me. Um, and it is this, choose the right teachers for different things. Choose the right teachers for different things or choose the right teacher for the job. Maybe that's a more succinct way of saying it. Choose the right teachers for the right things. So here's where this one has shown up where I've seen it misaligned. Um, one of the women that I had an intensive with, she was telling me about her business and what it is that she does and how uh, grateful she is to her teacher and how she knows it is time now to grow and do different things. And, I, and she mentioned the price of the classes, how much her classes cost. And it was, you know, outrageously low, like, um, I don't know, the top up amount you would pay if you were already a member at a certain gym, like, Crazy, And I know because of her lineage, this woman has not messed around with the investment that she has made in getting herself qualified in her method, nor is she flying by the seat of the pants, making stuff up as she goes along. She is absolutely teaching uh, intelligent, safe, informed yoga to people who need it. And so I asked and, you know, and we also talked about how she has a part-time job. It serves her quite well, but she feels like it's the end of the road for that. And she would like to go more into her teaching. And so I said, well, you know, given that and that, given the fact that you want to do this, you've worked hard for it, you know, you're good at it and you have a part-time job that you would like to replace with yoga money. What's the deal with radically undercharging for the classes? Going on, you're a smart lady, and something here doesn't make sense. And she said, Well, the reason that she was keeping her prices so low is because that's how much her teacher charges. And I want you to send me a message on Instagram at AmyYogaBizCoach if you are also feeling hesitant, feeling reluctant to charge more than your teacher does. If you're in that situation, you need to send me a message on Instagram and let me know so that I can send you a little one-minute pep talk back that you can keep playing to yourself as you increase your prices beyond what your teacher is charging. This is important. I mean it, at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. If you are listening and you're like, oh, fudge, she's busted me. I'm charging £2.65 because my teacher charges £2.65. So, so I said, well, you know, this is interesting because, Obviously, you chose this teacher because they were the right teacher to teach you how to be a yoga teacher and to teach you how to be a yoga student and to teach you yoga. And this person is very, very, very learned in that space and very good at doing exactly that. And you are a good teacher in part as a consequence. But what makes you think that that, those qualities directly correlate to this teacher? being the right teacher to teach you about business or to teach you about charging your worth or to teach you about reconciling prosperity and spirituality. This teacher gets to be the best teacher for you of yoga, of being a good yoga teacher, of teaching you your lineage and your method of philosophy and anatomy, Let this teacher be your teacher in that space. But don't look to that teacher to guide you on things like money. Does this make sense? Is this like, are you picking up what I'm putting down here? Like, if you think about it, I think it's actually. Very pervasive that we and again DM me on Instagram if I, I want to know all of you psychologists. I want to hear from you. I'm sure there is a psychological term here about attribution, like uh, qualification attribution. Don't you think? Like we think we see someone in a certain light in one regard, and so we attribute qualities to them in other spaces. We take someone's advice on something wildly different. From the context in which we see them as an authority, and I suspect that this is really dangerous. So I know that that's one example of how it happened. Here's another example of how it happened. Another one of my fa- fabulous yoginis in my community was sharing with me that she'd had a bit of a gut punch. Not her words. I got that phrase from Kate Moon. Look her up. She's one of my biz besties. Okay, gut punch. This yogini had got it. Received a gut punch. From one of her teachers that she really looked up to and has looked up to as a mentor for a long time, and that they went to an event together, and that this mentor guide teacher kind of laid into my friend I'm uh, sorry my kind of laid into my my uh, my my client and um they had a they had a friendship type relationship, but my client looked up to her as you know the 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 wiser woman in the relationship when it came to yoga and and my and my my client was sharing what she'd been up to and what was happening and how she was serving her people and how her business is growing and all the things that she's been doing and the different types of success that she's having and again uh her friend her mentor kind of gave her a gut punch about well that in particular they were talking about she was sledging her off about yin yoga yin yoga is not even a thing if you want to even teach it, you need to call it something else because no one knows what yin yoga is anyway. And apparently, this woman went on quite for some time about how no one needs to know, no one knows what yin is. And my client is always going to be a colossal failure of trying to teach weekly classes because, you know, unless you call it something like, and I quote, yoga for round people, no one will come. That blows my mind. But anyway, there you have it. And and so we were talking about well, why is it that she decided to give you the, 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 the big talk about why you obviously suck because no one knows what yin is, which is just a ridiculous statement in and of itself, but bear with me. And she said because she had explained to her mentor, her friend, that she wasn't teaching regular classes in person, that she teaches her classes online. And when she teaches her classes online, about 50 people come to her class and they love it. And she doesn't teach weekly classes. In fact, once a fortnight, she teaches online and has actually, she's had up to 80 people come to these things. So straight away, this mentor has, has presumed that my client in fact wants to teach weekly classes. And the only reason that she can't and that she is failing at it, which I guess she's interpreting as not even trying and doesn't want to, but failing at it is because she's talking about this weird thing called yin that no one knows. And Here's where this you know this is obviously like a fairly laughable situation except if you're my client. Because put yourself in that position. Here's someone that for years you have looked up to, you have sought guidance from, you have watched their career increase and grow and you've watched them share yoga in ways that are meaningful to them and you are excited to share what you've done. It's like when the kid says, "Hey, look what I made." And you know that it's a little bit crappy, but you're like, "Dang, that's incredible. I'm putting your painting on the refrigerator we're having your pottery on the mantelpiece like you go to the authority and you just want to say hey look what I did because you want them to say good job this is what was happening for my client and rather than good job she got gut punch so again we had the coaching around okay this doesn't mean that this woman is no longer your mentor but she gets to be your mentor in these ways only. And maybe there are some things that you don't talk to her about. Maybe your business is off the table, right? It's like, it's like my dad and Facebook. My <laughs> Dad has a tendency towards conspiracy theories. Hi, dad. I know he doesn't listen, so I feel safe sharing this with, with you guys. But I'm not going to talk to him about my Facebook ad strategy because according to him, Mark Zuckerberg is the devil and Facebook is going to bring the world down. And there is no point me having a conversation about how, you you know what, actually, uh, uh, Facebook's kind of cool for me and I I probably wouldn't have the business I have without it. And, you know, I'm a a conscious consumer and I I, I guessed when I signed up that they're probably going to use my data for stuff because otherwise, what the hell is in it for them? We're not going to have that conversation. My dad gets to support me in business. He gets to see me happy. He gets to say to me things like, I love that you have found what makes you happy. I'm so glad you left that job that made you sad. And while I was scared for you at the start, I'm really proud of what you've done. But I am not going to him to say, hey, dad, what do you think about my new Facebook strategy? That one, he is not my teacher for that one. He is my teacher for how should I broker this deal, dad? My dad's got some amazing international negotiating diplomacy history behind him. I am so lucky that he gets to be my teacher in how should I handle this or what would you do here or what should a contract look like in this instance? But there are things that I don't talk to him about. You know, he's not the right teacher in that space. And I think that we have... Um, maybe it's a a cultural attribution from old yoga, but we seem to have this addiction to one teacher in across disciplines. And I'm not talking about, I mean, I'm not talking about, I have a yoga, my teacher, Noah, he teaches me anatomy. He teaches me alignment. He teaches me sequencing. He teaches me philosophy. I'm not talking about picking a different person for all of those things. What I am talking about is just because you look up to one person doesn't mean you can't look up to someone else. And there is a time to be discerning about who you seek teachings from. Now, this is not a spiritual bypassing opportunity that you don't stop talking to somebody because they're giving you the truth bombs. You know, like my coach pissed me off royally at times. That doesn't mean I say, well, you're just not the coach for me. It means I go, whoa, shiz. That's what I'm paying you the big bucks for because you're right. I didn't see that for myself and it's smart. But I'm taking it on board and I'm going to do something about it. I'm not talking about spiritual bypassing from difficult teachings. But I am talking about r- refusing to accept carte blanche that a, you're one of your teachers can teach you all things about all things. It doesn't make sense and you are putting yourself into the position of, Getting the gut punch, undercharging, um, avoiding doing something that actually would be in service to you. Uh, So be open-minded. Talk with other people. Be conscious of your reactions to things. Here's the the post-it again. Choose the right teacher for the right task or something of that nature. Help me out here, ladies and gents. Oh, I can't quite get coherent about that one. Okay, next up is uh, take risks in the safety zone and out of the comfort zone. Take risks out of your take risks in the safety zone and out of the comfort zone. I really should have spent more time on these. Take risks. How about this? Get out of your comfort zone, but stay in. No, I don't like but. Get out of the comfort zone and. Stay in your safety zone. Oh my God. Anyway, here we go. Here's the whole thing. So, uh, what's it called? Seth, it's a Seth Godin book about Icarus, something. But essentially, his point is um, you know, nothing happens in your comfort zone. If you get, I mean, it's nice, it's comfy. It's me sitting on my sofa reading books that I've already read. Did that happen today? Yep, most of it, it was awesome. Comfort zone, absolutely gorgeous, but guess what? It's also stagnation. It's also inertia. And I, I'm not one of those coaches that says, if you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not fucking growing, you're dying. No. <laughs> Sorry, explicit language alert. I'm not that coach, but there is something to be said about, you know, boring yourself, boring yourself. The, I remember my coach saying to me, oh, people, n- she, she's saying it in gendered context, she said, a woman doesn't ever burn out, burn out from doing too much work. She said, a woman never burns out from doing too much work. What she burns out from is a lack of creativity. And I really like that, and I don't think it's gender specific. I really like it. Um, For a lot of us, I think that probably rings true. And if we stay stuck in the comfort zone, then that's where creativity gets stymied. That's where we don't try new things. We're not growing. But there is a big difference between uh, getting out of the comfort zone and being stupid. So what this is, again, this is Seth Godin, not me. What I think, if you think about sort of concentric circles, where the inner circle is the comfort zone and there is absolutely a time to be in there. But every now and then it is important to stretch beyond that comfort zone and take risks and into the concentric circle that is outside it, which is your safety zone. Now, I am a fan of staying in the safety zone. You get to define what that looks like. For me, skydiving is outside the safety zone. For other people, it's inside the safety zone. You get to decide your own safety zone. But you don't have to go do something stupid like, I don't know, Max out your credit card or make a dumb financial choice or take some risky behavior that, I don't know, you regret later. Get get a bad tattoo. Like You get to stay in the safety zone, but when was the last time that you really took a step outside the comfort zone? Now, i got to tell you, the reason that this one is on the list is because I need to take this medicine myself. I have just been offered uh, a really, really beautiful opportunity. Really beautiful. Like the sort of things that you think only happen in the movies. Uh, I've been invited to take part in something of that nature, of that magnitude. And I uh and I was talking with my friend um earlier in the week that this has happened and that I'm probably gonna say no because, you know, scary. And uh and, and my friend said, Well, hang on, what are you even talking about? Like, what do you mean you're going to say no? This is amazing. This is miraculous. This is the sort of stuff I only dream of. Do you know how many people get this opportunity in their lives? None. Why are you saying no? And to me, I hadn't really even thought about why I was saying no. It was just my response, you know, just kind of, of course not. Of course I'm not going to do that. But then when we, when we hashed it out, it became apparent that in making a decision, a rapid decision, about whether or not I was going to take up this opportunity, I'd immediately gone to all of the things about it that were different to my comfort zone. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. I'd have to change this. I'd have to book that. I'd have to bring this stuff with me. I'd have to let go of that thing. I'd have to reschedule this and do that over here. There was a whole bunch of things that were were contraindicated that were contradictory to the status of my comfort zone. Now, none of them in you know, in in pulling it apart, none of them were difficult. None of them. Just like a phone, a couple of phone calls, a little uh, you know, pack a bag, book a thing ah. here and there. None of them were uh, remotely difficult. But my my uh the the degree to which I was so blinkered by my comfort zone meant that I'd instantly dismissed this opportunity because what it would take to say yes to it would be different to what I have become accustomed to in my comfort zone. These are the ways I do things. And to take that opportunity means I'd have to do things in different ways. No. Fortunately, don't you love it when you have these friends that are like, well, you on drugs. It was one of those conversations. Amy, are you on drugs? Like, can I just borrow your face and go instead of you? Like, can you be me for a weekend and pick my kids up from soccer? What are you doing? What do you mean? No. Thank you, that friend. Thank you. And here's an example of, you know, is there somewhere in your life like there has been in mine when you're stuck in the rut? Do you need to stretch? Do you need to get out of this? Do you need to shake it up? Are you playing it too safe, too comfortable and too boring in your business or happily take this for beyond business if that resonates for you? And is there somewhere where you need to go do this differently? Now here's where the, here's where I'm going to come back to the concentric circles because like I said, um, I ain't about being stupid or unsafe Um, and I don't want you to be about that either like there are enough things that we regret doing where we didn't have a choice (laughs) let's not make more of those things the safety zone means you get to move out of your comfort zone it will feel uncomfortable but it should never feel unsafe so that sort of nervousness that that energy that feels kind of Is this fear? Is this excitement? I'm not sure I'm going to go with it. That's outside the comfort zone. But the feeling of something like dread or shame or guilt, that's outside the safety zone. And we never want to play out there. It's not good out there. You only go out there because you have to. Someone throws you out, something happens. For the most part, in the safety zone, thanks, ladies and gents, particularly when it comes to things about money and your business. This is like root chakra stuff here. We ain't messing around. Like this is fundamental to your identity stuff. Let's all stay safe, people. But think about it. Are you playing it too are you playing it too comfortable in your business? Is it time to stretch in some way? Is it time to book the photo shoot? Is it time to have that difficult conversation? Is it time to like Katrina? Right now is in the process of restructuring her enrollment structure. This is a big deal. Taking people to term bookings over class passes is a big shakeup. Or uh Suze is moving, taking her classes out of her house and into an independently hired space. Uncomfortable, safe, right? Uncomfortable, stretching, becoming bigger, growing, and still safe. Still safe. Suze is hiring a space that is affordable. Katrina is working with me to come up with a changeover strategy. Like this is all still safe business decisions. But they're not just staying stuck in stuff that essentially they've either identified no longer serves them, or your pricing structure where you're constantly marketing and never take a holiday, or they've outgrown it. I don't want to teach at my house anymore. It feels too personal. I'm a yoga teacher. I want to go teach at a yoga studio. So the post-it note again. Amy's going to try and be succinct here. Bless all of you for listening to this goddamn podcast. You're amazing. Here it is. Take more risks. Getting out of the comfort. Get out of your comfort zone while staying in the, your safety zone. Take more risks. Get out of your comfort zone while staying in your safety zone. Mon, this one goes for you too and you know it already. And also this one's for you, Dougal. You get to have this one too. I'm excited for you jumping outside the comfort zone. Really, that's how um, business grows fast, by regularly doing those things. And who knows, maybe you need a critical friend like I had to <laughs> to give you the you on drugs face when you off the cuff say no to something that is actually going to be awesome stay tuned folks I will tell you more as that beautiful opportunity which is way outside I can't even see my comfort zone from there uh, as it comes to light still safe I'm going to make it safe (laughs) but oh my goodness I'm feeling a little bit nervous last one last one I last one is Sell it, then build it. Sell it, then build it. This one is actually concise and I've got it together for you. Here it is again. Sell it, then build it. And this one, I'll explain exactly what it means, but I realized uh, this week I had the beautiful Kelly Smith come speak to the Keep Growing Mastermind members Um, sometimes we have a guest expert come every month. And this month I wanted to bring in a yoga teacher for them to talk to who was just a little further down the road. And Kelly is definitely that person. She's also just got the most beautiful energy. She's so generous with her wisdom and her time. And uh, she offers yoga uh, completely location independently. And I think uh, that's an inspiring message for a bunch of people. Anyway, Kelly was making this point. To the Keep Growing Mastermind. And it dawned on me that this has been my way of doing business for so long that I forget to talk about it. Uh, And I think it is really, really critical. So sell it, then build it. And the reason I want to talk about it, um, thanks, Kelly, for the reminder. And the reason that I want to talk about it is because when I was starting out, I was so hesitant to conduct myself in this way. I judged people as somehow being. Um, unprepared or uh, lazy, lazy, that's, that's the big one that I thought people being lazy, if they conducted their business in this way. And I remember the moment that everything changed for me, and I finally got it. But here's essentially what it means first. And then I'll tell you that story. Sell it, then build it means um, go have a concept of what it is that you want to offer, whether it's your workshop, or your course, or your online course, your in in person course, your retreat, have a concept of it enough so that you can build out a sales page for that offering. Then tell everybody about the sales page and sell some of these things. And then once you've started selling it, then go and make all of the content. What I see people doing is that they think, I'm going to teach like, a 10 week course or I'm going to hang on hypothetical. I'm going to teach a seven week online course about the chakras and essential oils. And I'm going to, um, and it's going to be amazing and we're going to do this, 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 and I'm going to love it. And so my first step is to sit down and write all seven modules. Okay. Again, if you're doing this, if this is what you think, if you need a one minute, you can do it. Pep talk that you can replay forever on your phone. On this topic, because I know I can even see your faces, women who I have spoken to recently on this topic. If you need that from me, please let me send you the dose. Hit me up on Insta at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Let me send you a voice memo. So here's what it actually looks like. You get the concept. You figure out what the inclusions are. You get a, obviously, you know, the seven, if you're a seven chakra system person, great. Probably going to do, maybe if you're a six chakra system person, great. Maybe that's one week for each of the six and then a final week to raise your kundalini or bring it all together or I don't know what. And you, and you have enough to go write the page about that product. And then you start offering it to people and people start buying it. And as people start buying it, obviously, you know, you know when the start date is and there's some time between when you start selling it and the start date. But once people start buying it, then you go and write the content. Then you go and write the content. And here's the additional hack. You write the content as you deliver it. Now, let me tell you the story and then I'll loop back to why that's really important. I remember being at the Hanuman Festival in Boulder in Colorado. I think I was there in 2014. It was the year that it just poured with rain and I was doing a workshop with Sienna Sherman and as you can imagine, it was awesome. We were having a great time and then it just started like we were in a gymnasium, like Boulder High School or something. And, uh, you know, Sienna has obviously put time into this sequence. And I think, I can't remember exactly, but I think it was a two hour class and we were on a journey and she's an amazing storyteller and we're going places and we're, you know, it's just, she is really working the room and taking us somewhere. And I don't know how many people were in the gym was half a gymnasium. There's a lot of yoga people doing yoga in this space and it's great. And then of course the rain starts to come down and, um, You can hear, you know, you're in a gymnasium. It's loud when it's raining that hard. And then all of a sudden there's like this influx of yoga people because Saul David Ray was teaching some bhakti thing outside in a marquee and the marquee just got pulverized by this downpour. And so suddenly, I don't know, say there was like 150 people there for Sienna. Now there's like 300 people in this gymnasium and Saul David Ray and Sienna Sherman and he's on the stage and he's like, well, what are we going to do now? And the two of them, I just think this is a moment of grace on behalf of Sienna Sherman. I don't know if anyone knows her, but next time you see her for a tea, tell her Amy says, "Budge, did she handle that situation with grace?" So David Ray's got a big energy. Can we get a GI five on that one? Like, you know. He's got a big energy. <laughs> but the two of them, they just pulled it off like freaking, I don't know, like 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 Elton John and uh George Michael singing a duet you know it's good come on as if you can't handle that key change as if you're not singing to yourself in the car for that duet you can message me the YouTube video for it I'll take it anytime and twice on Sunday you know what I'm talking about unless you're a millennial search for it Elton John George Michael you probably don't know who they are (laughs) but it's a really good duet and uh People who are my age sing it in the car and then pretend that they're not singing it when they drive through traffic. But they really hope that they don't drive through traffic during the key change because that's when everybody wants to sing it and turn up the volume. Anyway, that's what happened with Sienna Sherman and Saul David Ray. But that's not actually the story about the, oh, my God, about the Hanuman Festival in Boulder in 2014. I just wanted to let anyone know who's listening that was at the Hanuman Festival I'm talking about that year, the year that the rains came. Anyway, back to God knows. Let's just take it back. It's like the Ramayana today. Can you believe it? Yeah, that was a thought in a thought in a thought. That was Brad Pitt remembering the whole thing with like the fight. Is anyone else in love with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Don't send me hate mail. It was awesome. Bruce Lee, come on. Okay, so back to what I actually learned about Build It Then Sell It and what has infused my teaching since then particularly on my retreats. But here we go. There was, um, there was a man and a wife and I I can't remember their names and that's terrible. Uh, They sold Murtis, they sold Murtis and they were, um, uh, Advaita Vedantists and they were teaching, they were teaching some philosophy classes. And you can imagine, I was like, there, you know, um, like Richard Freeman. Yeah, sure. Of course, you're a master. I'm going to go to your class, but did someone say philosophy? (laughs) beeline getting my hummus and carrot sticks and I am there sipping my kombucha and yoga nerding my heart out anyway so uh he taught one and then she was teaching the one the next day and uh, and, and she she was um singing like raga style you know like uh the Indian musical system you can tell Amy doesn't play music but raga style um bhajans and 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 At the end, she sung something and it was beautiful and we were all really present with that. And then at the end, she said something along the lines of how she never plans for these classes because she never knows until she turns up what will be the right thing to teach. And I had that Shaktipata moment of, oh my God, up until this time, I have always judged people who treat their business like that as somehow being unprepared or lazy or slack or not respectful of of the sangha, of the cooler of the community. But in fact, watching this woman teach, she was being inspired by the energy in the moment. And in fact, what she gave us from the people in the room, the number of people, the types of people, the way we were responding to her singing, the teachings that she gave us as a result were so much more powerful and attuned to what it was that we needed. And she wouldn't have known that had she gone and written a lecture two days in advance and been Organized and professional, I'm doing finger quotes that you can't see, as I would have judged her for previously. So from that point forward, you know, that Hanuman festival when Saul David Raker, Amy, shut up, they don't get it, they weren't there, you're boring and weird. My point is, (laughs) from that point forward, actually, I'm a massive fan of not only build it, then sell it, then build it, but sell it, then build it in installments because you will. Be better. You will give people more of what they need if you let that to happen. If you let that happen. So, for example, um, build enough of a sales page so that you can sell your workshop. And then, when it's full, look at the people that are coming, and then reassess the elements and the inclusions and the format and the arsenal sequence that you'll teach. Obviously, you still have to deliver what was on the sales page. I'm not saying give something different. I've bought those programs, and suddenly they say, "Well, we know you bought this thing." But actually, we're going to give you this. No, I'm going to take you to the Fair Trade Commission. <laughs> That's not okay. But give me what I bought, and then I don't know the difference if you're tailoring it as you go. Uh, it's like my, um, my when I'm on retreat in Thailand, I'm going to take you all over to Thailand. I don't have all of the asana classes written before I get there. I don't even have the coaching sessions written before I get there. I have the first one, but I don't know you all yet. It's not until we get in a room, I get to know you, we all have a hug, I want to know what you're here for, what you want to get out of it. We spend 40 minutes on the bus going to the retreat center. You know, we swap snacks in the back of the bus. It's not until that happens that I really go, oh, hang on, they need this. They don't need that. And it's not until I see you all practicing that first morning doing yoga that I go, oh, hang on, they're not going to be down with this stuff. I need to modify what I'm going to teach them. Like they need more of this and and over there needs a bit of that. And I think we should play in this space. And if I had have written all of that in advance, it wouldn't have served you and it would have been a massive waste of time for me. So this extends to things like, you know, if you do retreats, sell a few, get a few deposits in before you go buy the additional activities for your people. Like, get okay, get your minimum spend down for the, for the rooms that you've got to reserve, but don't be buying all the other stuff until you've started to sell some places. Or like I said, write your course material as you teach the course or restructure your workshop outline once you've sold the places and you know who is coming. Like this beautiful teacher in Boulder taught me It's not because you're lazy. It's not because you're unprofessional. It's not because you've been slack or you're somehow disrespecting your students. It's because you wish to ensure that you will, in fact, give them exactly what they need. And you can't know that until you get there. Further, particularly in the example of uh, retreats and writing course material, don't waste your time or money. Think about it. Kelly was sharing the example that she spent about 200 hours writing a course that one person bought for $97. How does any of that make sense? Sell the thing first, then write the course. If only one person buys it, you say, look, I'm sorry, friend, but here's your $97 back. I changed my mind. No one else wanted to buy that. It doesn't make sense for me to go write it. Or, um, you know, one of my clients in the UK, like she makes these beautiful, decadent, goodie bags and cashmere socks and or organic eye pillows and all the rest of it. You know, tioka, vegan chocolates, all of it. Like don't go buy 20 of those because you hope 20 people are coming on your retreat. Sell 20 places, then go buy the goodie bags. So that's sticky note number three. Sell it and then build it. How do you like this new format? Sticky notes. The three... Sticky note reminders you need now. Take risks. Get out of your comfort zone while staying in your safety zone. Two, choose the right teacher for the right task. Just because your teacher is good at one thing doesn't mean they're going to be good at everything. Three, sell it, then build it. Or sell it, then buy it. Be smart with your money and your time. Make sure there is a demand before you create the supply. That's it. Thanks for indulging me, everybody, with my unnecessarily long-winded anecdote about the Festival. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thanks again so much for listening. Uh, quickly, if you're coming to Thailand and you haven't got a ticket yet, registrations close uh, end of September. Four spots left. Uh, amymcdonald.com.au forward slash retreats info on that. And then finally, and I'm going to say this in my pre-recorded fashion in just one second, but for me today live, uh, I would be so grateful if you did, uh, review rate and review this podcast. Um, I know you love, I really love receiving emails and instant messages from everybody. I really do, um, about how it's useful for you. Thank you for those. And, um, it makes a difference to my business to get those ratings and reviews. So, uh, well, it is a beautiful ego boost for me. Um, I also uh, there are metrics in my business that are really supported with those ratings. So, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, if you could just tap stars there, super easy. I'd be really grateful. And thanks to everybody who has done exactly that since the last time uh, I asked you all. I I, I do look at them. And um, I am really touched. I know this one has been a little bit chitta vritti. Uh, I'm gonna work on a bit more chitta vritti narodaha next week. If there is a topic that you would like me to help you with in particular, do let me know. Instant's probably best at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. But hey, hop round, I'll make you a cup of tea and uh, give you some of my oils that may or may not support virus control. Let me know, people. Take care, everybody. <laughs> See ya.